All right. We started a new series a couple of weeks ago called Getting Over It. We want to help you get over your it. All right. If you're under it, we're going to help you to get over it. Praise God. This is how to live an overcoming life. And I trust that you all have things that need to be overcome in your life. I want to begin today with the, the two verses that we read last week. We'll put them up on the screen so we can read them together. Would you just read this? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Say it out loud with me. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that good? Come on. Why should we be thankful? Because he gives us the victory. How many know that's different than he gives us defeat? Just to say it plain. He's not our problem. He's our solution, right? He's given us victory. He's not given us the issue, the problem. That thing didn't come from God, but the victory absolutely did. And so we should give him thanks. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, say it with me. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I want you to notice the, the word in this, uh, in this passage, always. He leads us in triumph, but how often does he do that? Always. Always, always is a good word to adopt. Yeah. Amen. How, how often do you win? Meaning winning over the circumstances of life and over the attacks of the enemy and all these things that come to steal, kill, and destroy. How often am I going to overcome? Always. 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 In every circumstance. In every situation. Yeah. Someone comes up to you today and says, hey, how's it going? What's going on? How are you doing today? Always. (laughs) It might be a good response instead of saying, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm okay. Or how about always? Always. What do you mean always? I always win. I always overcome. He always causes me to triumph. I will never be defeated. I will never back down. I will never go away. The Lord always causes me to triumph in Christ. Yeah. As as, as I was reading these verses, I thought, well, you know, one of my, uh, one of my study habits is, is, is to look up verses in many translations to see, uh, get a full picture because obviously the Bible wasn't written in English. And so I look up other translations and I thought, well, what, 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 how did other people translate the word always? And uh, what I came up with is that again and 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 again, the, the translators chose to refer to that word in English as always. <laughs> and I, I came away thinking, I'm pretty sure that word means always. I, I'm pretty sure that, that, that he causes me to triumph always, always. That meaning at all times. Amen. There is not a circumstance, a situation where the victory of Christ is not available for me to walk in, for me to enjoy and experience. And that's true for you. If you've had a some of the times mentality, hope it'll work again. Maybe this is my day blow that thing out of your mentality, out of your thinking and vocabulary and start to say always. Amen. 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 I I talked to someone after the first service. How you doing today? They said, always. (laughs) I said, you were paying attention. Good for you. And so uh, you can overcome again, no matter what the issue is by using the available power 
of God. If this will be our experience. We're not talking about willpower. We're talking about God power. This is much, much better. And so uh, I'm reminded of the, the Psalms, you know, in the 66th Psalm, he says that the Lord brings us into our wealthy place. All right. And other translations say a place of, a, uh, of abundance, of rich fulfillment. And so he's bringing us out. We'll say, what are we supposed to do with that? Believe it. Believe it. If you've got an obstacle, something hanging over your head, something that you've been under, the Lord is bringing you out. Why do I say that? So you can say that. Why did he give us his word? So we can get his word in our mouth and say the same thing he says. I'm coming up. I'm coming out. I'm coming over. I'm going through this. I'm going to be victorious. Victory is my middle name. Come on. It is, it is how I do this life. I utilize the victory of Christ in every circumstance and situation and will never be defeated. Praise God. Now, uh, as you know, if you've been with us, one of the main factors in living and overcoming life is recognizing where our help comes from, right? Remember we said we've got to lift up our eyes, recognize that God is our source. If you want victory, go to the victory giver. Make sure you always know he is our answer, not our problem. But another element that exists, it, are, it can be described as conditions that exist in our heart that basically allow bondage of various types to remain in place. Let me say it this way. You can have heart conditions that repel problems and, and, and bondages of various types, or you can have heart conditions um, that actually draw them in. They allow them to remain. It's like, why does this stay in my life? How come I can't get this off of me? I can't get rid of this. Well, something in you is sticky. <laughs> so it, it is attracting or a permitting or, uh, you know, fostering. It's like a greenhouse for problems, all right, rather than a condition that is driving those things away and will, will not allow them to remain, all right? Did I ask you to go to Hebrews chapter 2? If you would, turn with, to Hebrews, the second chapter, and I want you to see how some of this works so we can get over it. Hebrews chapter 2, notice with me in verse 14, it reads, inasmuch then as the children, that's the children of God, have partaken of flesh and blood, meaning we have bodies, okay? He himself, that's Jesus, likewise shared in the same. In other words, Jesus became a man. He took on flesh and blood. Uh, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, in other words, Jesus had to become one of us. He had to take on flesh so he could destroy Satan because death was something that we had to deal with. Jesus became one of us to overcome that, okay? And he came to destroy the devil. Who does it say had the power of death? The, the devil, not, not, not God. A lot of people think God's deciding who lives and dies. Well, Satan had the power of death. Now, Jesus came to destroy that or to undo his activity, but 
Jesus came to destroy him. Then verse 15 reads, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I want you to see the connection here. Fear of death, subject to bondage. Why are people in bondage? Because they're afraid. Because they live with fear. Now, bondage could be described this way, uh, as Aristotle put it, uh, the living not as one chooses, whereas liberty would be the living as one chooses. So if, if your life would more be described by the first statement, I live, but not like I want to live, things are on me, things are forced on me, that would be called bondage, but freedom means we have the right to make choices. We have power. We have control. Now, for the believer, I'm a believer. I choose, I want to live in perfect liberty so I can serve God, right? So I can live for Him. That's what we do with our liberty. But, but, but that would be one way to des describe this. Um, and so if bondage exists, uh, what, what causes that or what brings it or what allows it to remain and it has to do with this thing called the fear of death, all right? It is a universal problem that has plagued mankind going back to the fall where the fear of death, it's, it's so interesting. People will live in squalor. People will live in horrible circumstances and even give up personal freedoms and rights just to prolong living. It's very interesting how we, how we avoid death at all costs. And you think, I think death would be better for you. <laughs> uh, but people live with this fear of death, and it allows bondage. Think about someone who's not afraid to die. Well, you can't, you can't control that person, right? You can't force anything on them anymore because they don't care about that, all right? Now, uh, again, the world lives with this fear of death for, for, for the believer. Thank God we're set free. If you're a believer, you have no reason to ever fear dying. And, and, and if you have those thoughts, I'll tell you what you need is a revelation. Revelation of your righteousness with God. Revelation of where you're standing, of your acceptance, of what's happening next. Because for the believer who dies, <laughs> you are laughing. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a, a day of absolute victory. And so uh, we don't have anything to, to fear. I, I was thinking about diseases and so forth, and I thought, which, what kills more people, sickness and disease or fear of disease? And, and so often, we want to point to the external and say, it's the car accident, it's the disease, it's, it's the, you know, the violence, it's these things that kill people or harm people, and we take the emphasis off the inward conditions that people are dying with every day, and that really, in, to some degree, open the doors for those other things to take place. And if we see the root of what enables this, we can start dealing with the problem and therefore overcome, okay? And as you see in this passage, fear here is what promotes, what enables bondage. Okay? Jesus released us from that bondage. How did he do it? By removing fear. 
Someone say, well, you people always say Jesus has set you free, yet I'm not free. I, Jesus broke the bondage, but I'm still in bondage because the way that Jesus did it was by removing, you know, he, he siphoned your gas. Not yours, but the gas of that thing. He took the ability for that thing to exist and, and foster and thrive in your life away so it stalls. Does that make sense? And when he takes the, the, the guts out of it, now that thing no longer has the ability to dominate you. So it's not like we say, well, Jesus, you know, by his stripes we're healed. Yeah, but there's still a lot of sick people. So what did he deal with? He d dealt with the root cause, the spiritual source of all disease. He dealt with the source of the thing that causes people to be afraid. And if we will embrace and receive and believe that, then these other things fall off because they have no grip on us any longer. See, that's why it's not automatically experienced by everybody. It's an inward condition that must be repaired. Therefore, the other things can no longer exist. Everybody with me today? You see, that's why sometimes through gifts of the Spirit, people get healed. We've seen miraculous things, great things happen through gifts of the Spirit and healings, but yet later on, those problems come back to a person. And you think, what happened? What's the deal here? We saw you. You testified that thing. You were free of that. And now it's back. They said, yeah, it came back. Well, what do they need? See, something came to them from the outside, but their inward parts were not, were not repaired. Yeah, I'm talking about the condition of their heart was still in a place where it allowed... Uh, demonic bondage to exist. And that's why we're dealing with this, these things from the inside out so they can be permanent changes. There can be permanent victory. Amen? Amen. Now, so learn this principle. Bondage comes through fear. And if I can recognize the fear, I know what to deal with. Now, when we say fear of death, understand death is not always uh, manifest 100%. It works gradually as well. It's not always just my heart stopped, I stopped breathing, death. Death works through various sickness and disease, through accidents, through failure. So what? Fear of those things is what allows them to thrive. Fear of failure. Fear of, of life without something. Fill in the blank. I'm afraid I'll never have or I won't have it any longer. It could be, you know, fear of, of isolation, being alone, uh, being without somebody, being without something. Um, again, being afraid of getting in an accident of some kind. Everybody with me? Yeah. Okay. I know if you look up what are people's biggest fears, like one of them would be public speaking. Um, if that's your fear, it might not even be a problem because you may not ever have to do that. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying if someone said, well, I'm afraid of public speaking. That's how the devil is ruining my life. Well, if, if that's not your calling from God or, you know, where you have to do that, I would just say, so what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> that's not going to ruin you in other areas of your life. But it, when it comes to things that we have to do and things we must experience, we must not yield to fear. When, we, when people are subject to fear, they won't live their life to the full. There are many things that are off the table. They, they won't try new things. They're, they're held in a type of prison cell. 
All right, it's a, it's a bondage of a, of, of a certain kind. And we could say it this way, being afraid that you can't succeed gives power to fail. It, it is that engine of failure, being afraid that we can't or won't succeed in something. You, you might remember um, a guy named Job who has a book in the Bible. And, uh, and uh, his uh, experience, he had some hardships for a certain, uh, pretty short but significant uh, experience. He had some hardships in that time. And something that he said has always stood out to those who are looking for answers and, and, and at least trying to discover some of the whys. But Job said in, in chapter 3 and verse 25, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. And it always, has always made me wonder, Job, why were you afraid of this? I mean, not just a little bit, greatly. Why did you dread this? It sounds like it kept them up at night. I'm so afraid of this. This might happen. I dread this happening to my family, my kids, and my own life and health and my wealth. And I dread this. I'm afraid of this. Greatly fear. Why is that? And it actually happened to him. Okay? And, he, and many have wondered and asked the question, is that why it happened? Is that what opened the door? I don't think it's the only answer there. But, but why did this happen? And if we should ask ourselves, am I afraid of this? Do I dread this? Does this keep me up at night? Why am I concerned? And for some people, it's, you know, fear of a disease, and it might be because family members had it. Ancestors had this. Or you're at risk for this, and so they dread you know, heart conditions and various things that other people have. And that's what gives it power, though. What we need to do is receive the victory that Jesus gave us so it not just breaks the problem, breaks the power that, that feeds that problem. Amen. All right? And, and so when I read the Scriptures, I find that very frequently... Uh, there are promises, there are words from God to people that tell them not to fear. Fear not, or do not fear. And with the overabundance of those statements, it makes me wonder why. And my first conclusion is, it's said so frequently because it's such a frequent problem. So many people are afraid. They live with fear. Ever since sin came into the world, we have to deal with this. But God continues to remind people, don't be afraid. Do not fear. And, and I would ask the question, is that just so they'll be emotionally settled? Or does, uh, does other, do other parts of his plan, his power, his presence, uh, do they hinge on us being afraid or not? In other words, could our fear of lack our fear of an absence of God providing and, and, and making a way, could it actually hinder him from doing what he wants, us, what he wants to do? Is that a valid question? Yeah. And if he keeps telling us, for example, I'll give you one verse and you can look up many. Isaiah 41.10 reads, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. And so why, why lead with fear not? Why not just strengthen us, help us, uphold us, 
with your righteous right hand. Because if, Lord, if you'd do that, then I wouldn't be afraid. <laughs> Why lead with, don't be afraid, for I'm going to do this? Why tell me what you're going to do instead of just doing it? Then I can just sit there in your hand and laugh at the devil. Why tell me? Because the way the kingdom of God works and the way we were created is these inward conditions of our heart, they either permit God to move and work or they allow the opposite to happen. And so God's directives towards us to not fear, it is an opening door to him to strengthen, to help, to uphold. So we should take this very seriously. And when he says, fear not, don't just blow past that and say, yeah, I see that all over the place. Say, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I've been, I've been afraid. How do I know if I am? You play it, play over negative events in your mind repeatedly. It just constantly there. You know, you say things like, I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. <laughs> you know, those anti-faith statements. <laughs> right? If I believe that God is with me, I should say things like that. I will not fear. I resist fear. I refuse to give in to this. Lord, you are with me. You will uphold me. You will strengthen me. You will help me. You are my help. I will not be afraid. Yeah. Come on. Come on. That, that's, a, that's a response and that training of the heart sets us up for overcoming power, puts us in a position for absolute victory. So again, we want, to we want to create these inward conditions that do not allow external bondage. Fear promotes bondage. All right? Now, would you turn with me to one more place? That is the book of John and the 15th chapter. John 15, and notice something here that Jesus said. I see chapter 15 is very red in my Bible. In fact, it's all red. All right, so it's Jesus talking. John 15, verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. So that's pretty good love right there. How many think the love of Father, of the Father to Jesus is pretty strong? Yeah. Pretty good. He said, with that same love, just like he loved me, I love you. Everybody say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves this, I know, this I know. For John 15, tells me so. Yeah. I also have loved you. And he says, then he says, abide in my love. Now, what, that's a directive to us. God loves us. Jesus loves us. He said, abide in this love. That means live in it, remain in it, stay there. Let it be your dwelling place. Live in my love. That's not up to God. That's up to me. All right. He said, if, verse 10, you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in his love. Now, was the love of the Father to Jesus fluctuating from day to day? It was constant. It was strong. Yet Jesus said, I do what he says so that I can remain in his love. 
I can abide there. He says, now you do what I say, not because my love for you is going to change if you don't. I will love you even if you don't. But if you want to remain in my love, listen to what I have to say. All right, follow my instructions. So God's love for us is not changing from day to day, but our reception of it, our belief in it, our heart being influenced by it is up to us. I'm told, do not fear. I'm also told to abide in his love. Okay. And by the way, I don't think I really said this, but one of the primary heart conditions that repels fear from the defeated devil is knowing how much and how constant God's love is towards us. If I know and am convinced that he loves me, I'm golden. There's not really any place for fear in a heart that knows it's loved by God. And, and, and so, um, amen. It, it removes, we could say it this way, it removes fear and insecurity. Insecurity means, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to protect me. I don't know if he's going to take care of me. I don't know if he's going to be there for me. Security means God's got me. We've got this. I'm coming over. I can't be defeated with God on my side. He loves me. He'll never leave me. See, uh, if you grew up in a home where, where your parents obviously loved each other, and secondly, loved you, you have an advantage in life that not everybody has. You probably are more secure and you are less fearful as a general rule than other people. If you grew up like many have where, you know, that wasn't obvious or it wasn't present, meaning that mom and dad who loved each other and loved you, you know, in, in obvious ways, then you have more of an opportunity. I don't want you to use this as an excuse, but I understand this is reality. You have more of an opportunity to be insecure, to be fearful, or, or to lack some of these inward strengths, okay? It doesn't mean you can't overcome because many people do. Many people come from really rough backgrounds, really hard upbringings, and, and they overcome by receiving the love of God. They find out how much God loves them. Even in, you know, in dis, despite, uh, in, in, in spite, thank you. I know it was one of those spiteful words. <laughs> in spite <laughs> of their failings, their shortcomings, the things that they have done wrong. They know God loves them, period. And they choose, even when in failure or in question or in defeat, they choose to say, but I know you love me. I believe you love me. I know God loves me. He cares for me. He's not my problem. He's, he's my answer. Amen. It, it produces security as opposed to insecurity. How many know insecurity is a real big problem in life? Insecure, insecurity really wrecks relationships, causes people to act in ways that secure people don't. I, I think if you recognize in the, and we probably all may recognize on some level, we got some insecurities here or there, but if you really recognize it as a problem and insecurity in your life, I think that's the, the focus of your, of your healing. 
of your recovery. It is to bathe yourself in the love of God. It is to read and state and repeat and sing the song and, and, uh, and just understand and get teaching on how God loves you, period. Because that will do in you what striving all your life and fighting with people and trying to prove yourself and be good enough will never do. It's a recipe for success. It really is. And so Jesus said, you should abide in my love. You should live there. You should do what I say so you can stay in that place where my love is so very real to you in your life. In, in the book of Jude, in verse 21, he writes, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Again, you notice who the onus is on here? It's not on God. Try to get God to keep loving you. No, the love of God is a constant. He loves you and you can't mess it up. You can't break it. You can't remove it. But what should we do? Keep ourselves in it. That means I have a job. My responsibility is keep myself in the love of God. No matter what happens to me, no matter what happens around me or what I've done myself, I should always come back to, Father, I thank you that you love me. Say, is that, is that, is that a good, good thing to say? Is that a good way to pray? It doesn't seem, I mean, doesn't God want something from me? Well, let me say it this way. He receives our worship. He's pleased with our faith. There's no doubt that us being here today, he's enjoying this. But it is not just about what you can do for him. The focus of this relationship is he loves to love you. I know there's that song about us loving to love him, and that's fine. That's okay. That's true. But he loves to love you. And when you receive it, when we say, thank you, Lord, I am loved by you, he's smiling. Yeah, because Jesus came not for his own benefit. Jesus suffered and died to set you free, to set me free. What do you think gives God great delight? Not just in what we do for him or our obedience or our submission to him. What brings him great delight is to see that we have fully utilized and, and are benefiting from the sacrifice that he made for our redemption. I tell you, when a person gets healed, oh, God is happy. There's one of my kids breaking the power of the devil off of their life. Come on. When someone gets free from some kind of addiction and they break it off in Jesus' name, the Lord is saying, ha ha, yeah, yeah. What if someone came to church today and they didn't give a dime in the offering, they hardly sang the songs, but they got free. Is the Lord happy? Yeah. Oh, he's happy because he, he was able to be a part of your victory, part of setting you free. I'm not saying there's not value in other parts of our relationship. There absolutely is. But God delights in our freedom. When you overcome, yes, they used it. What? That drop of blood, that stripe on Jesus' back, that gives him great joy. In, uh, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, Paul writes this. He said, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I want you to see here that again, bondage is tied to fear. When I'm afraid, that allows bondage to come. 
And the solution is this. It's really, it's not used here. It's really love. He chose me. He adopted me. The Lord saw me. He wanted me. He adopted me, brought me into his family. Amen. To where we cry out, Abba, Father. That's a, it's a unique and odd way to say that because it's, it's basically father like in two languages. It's an Aramaic word. Uh, but what I understand from uh, reading about this is that slaves or servants in their day were not allowed to refer to their, their masters as Abba. That was, that was not permitted. They couldn't, it became more of like a formal title. They would say Abba. And they were not allowed to use that title for someone, but it was reserved for the children. They could refer to their father. And, and together, the two words express the love and intelligent confidence of the child in the father's love, in that relationship that they had. And so God is not to be viewed as our judge, but as our loving father who only wants to do good for us. And if we have this revelation, and I tell you, this is what one of the things Jesus came to reveal, because all of a sudden, you know, people come from the, the old covenant and they're praying, God, 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 and they're Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, and Jesus came in, came in and said, now when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven. What? You call God your dad? And they got really upset with him, the religious people did but he revealed the heart of a father, the love of a father. And if we ever get away from that, and we totally can, again, lots of scriptures, do not fear. Why would you be afraid? Because of the judge. But how are we supposed to view God? My, our loving father who wouldn't harm us, who only wants to make our lives better, just like a natural father wants to elevate and lift and protect and provide and make a way. He wants to do this for us. And so our job is to resist fear by acknowledging the love of God for us personally. If you, if, you're, if you wonder how to boil this down, you're saying, are you saying that if we sing that Jesus loves me song, that we could actually overcome our problems? Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that's a method unto the revelation which repels the problems. Does that make sense? So someone could, yeah, sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And uh, that revelation is what seals, it what guards, it what, it's what protects. It's abiding in that that Jesus said is so valuable. He said, this is how I do it. I live in my Father's love. And when they came at him, Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. He was absolutely unafraid unafraid of, of people, unafraid of the religious people, of the, the, the legal authorities in their day. He was totally unafraid. Why? He lived in his father's love. Could we also have that type of inward attitude? It's not, it's not arrogance. It's confidence in him. Do we say, nothing's going to take me out. I'm not afraid of any disease, of any car accident. People say, well, you never know when you're going to go. Well, I tell you, I'm not going to think, I'm not going to talk that way. I'm not going to act like, as a child of God, I'm subject to whatever makes come, come my way. No, absolutely. I live in my Father's love, and He provides and protects. He's here with me always. I will not say anything can just take me out. My Lord and Savior didn't speak that way, so why should I? 
I will not be afraid. Because my middle name is, is always. I know I have more than one middle name today. Amen. How you doing today? He always causes me to triumph. Come on, he's on my side. I live in him. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for what you're doing in here right now.